Hello, this is the World Economic News by Coldwater Economics for Friday the 14th of August. The main feature of the day was probably the run of July data from China, which suggested the recovery was perhaps beginning to run out of steam a little bit. This may be because July is a month after budget filling June where everyone has to meet their targets. Equally though, it could be reflecting the waning financial and monetary support for the economy. Remember, bank lending rose only 900 billion in July, roughly half of the total in June, and 0.2 standard deviations below trend. And that resulted in money supply, M2, slowing to 10.7% year on year and being 0.9 standard deviations below trend. As I mentioned on Tuesday, this slight withdrawal of monetary support is amplified by the strengthening of the RMB seen in both July and August. Typically, this sort of monetary tightening is seen offsetting the dramatic, dramatic fiscal blowout of the first half. Anyway, today's data saw something of a sequential slowdown. Retail sales fell 1.1% year on year, with the monthly movement 0.4 standard deviations below historic seasonal trend, while urban asset investment growth came in down 1.6 for January to July, which implies a monthly movement 1.3 standard deviations below trend. There was also a slight drawback in the 70 cities home prices tally as well. In the industrial economy, production was steady at 4.8% year on year, but down 0.4 standard deviations against trend, which is a bit surprising given the strength of July's exports, up 7.1% remember in dollar terms and one and a half standard deviations above trend. But the weakness was confirmed by electricity production, where output growth slowed to 1.9% and was 1.5 standard deviations below trend. Well, that's a lot of numbers, but just to be clear, they're not the sort of numbers suggesting a vigorous rebound. They're not that bad, but they are more suggestive of a dead cap bounce than a Nike swoosh. What you need to remember is that during the pandemic, China ran up a massive private sector savings surplus, which on a 12-month basis rose to 13.8% of GDP by June. So the firepower for a sustained domestic rebound is actually there. No need then to write off China's recovery, but rather know that it's not accomplished yet and it's not firing on full cylinders. Over in the US, the perverse results of the lockdown showed up in the second quarter labour productivity and unit labour cost numbers. There was good news of labour productivity, which rose 7.3% annualised, quite unexpectedly, as output fell 38.9%, but hours worked fell 43%. People were getting more done in their restricted hours. Now, normally, a good labour productivity number would imply falling unit labour costs, but not this time, because although output per hour was up 7.3%, compensation per hour actually worked was up 20.4%, so unit labour costs jumped 12.2%. This is a direct result of the government's only partially refunding lockdown and furlough costs. Since the slowdown in all the world's lockdown economies are not so much a recession as a government commandeered reallocation of labour away from production and towards what is effectively part-time healthcare services, i.e. staying at home, the fact that the government hasn't paid a fair wage for this reallocation of labour will probably turn out to be the major source of hangover from the lockdown. 
more of that in my weekly if you get it. Finally, I don't want to leave without once again drawing attention to the ongoing trade war being waged unrelentingly by the world's major economies using non-tariff barriers. In July, the US, EU, China and Japan between them added a further 31 non-tariff barriers to imports, taking their total extant to 8,206. July, it turned out, was one of the busiest months of the last year for trade lawyers drawing up new reasons to stop imports. And the ones which really got the bit between their teeth this month? The EU, where they had the busiest month discouraging world trade since January last year. Quite by coincidence, the Eurozone managed a trade surplus of 21.2 billion in July. That's up 1.8 billion on the year, better than expected. After seasonal adjustments, you can put that surplus at 17.2 billion, up 8.6 billion on the month. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening. And if you got something out of it, and I hope you did, please spread the word about the bulletin. Recommend it to a friend. If you'd like to know more about cold water economics, please feel free to contact me, Michael Taylor, on mjtcoldwater at fastmail.com. Thank you.